you're a guest, I, I want to give you a warm welcome. We're glad you're with us this morning. Those of you watching online, glad you're, you're tuned in as well. Um, what you just saw was just a small taste of uh, kind of the, of, of the video we watched at uh, the annual celebration this last week. And uh, you can, I think, watch the entire video, and I encourage you to do that on our social media. Uh, but uh, it, was a, it was a great meeting. We truly have a lot to celebrate. God has been really good um, to Edinburgh Church. And so we did vote on two things. We, we voted on the new budget for the next fiscal year. We voted on two new board members coming on, Marianne Erickson and Dave Sawyer. Uh, both votes passed with flying colors. Uh, so it was just an all-around uh, great, great meeting to celebrate what, what God is doing here. Um, we are wrapping up our uh, fiscal year here in June. So I want to keep encouraging you. Please help us to end the, the fiscal year strong uh, financially. Um, we do have a, a budget amount. This isn't a campaign or anything like that, but a budgeted amount. We'd like to raise uh, $140,000. Just uh, That's our, our, our budget for June. And if we hit that, um, we're going to be in really good shape for the year, and we're going to be able to go into the next fiscal year on good footing. So please help us to do that. Maybe some of you can go over and uh, above um, to help us reach that goal. But I want us just to all be a part of, of hitting that goal. And so you can give online, as always. You can use the uh, giving boxes on the pillars out in the, the lobby as well. Uh, but thank you, church, for your generosity. Uh, and I also just want to make a quick comment. Um, obviously, we're, we're all aware of, of the... Supreme Court decision that was made this past week, and I, I just want to say, um, Christians, as we're out there, you know, um, representing Jesus and, and having conversations and, and, and posting things on social media, let's do it respectfully. Let's do it with grace. Edinburgh, can, can we lead the way on that? Okay, Christians, I think that's how Jesus would want us to converse. Yeah, let's do that, church. Well, hey, we are in a series that uh, it's called Summer Sunday School for Adults, all right? And we're looking at these kind of well-known Bible stories because some of us grew up and we love these stories, and so this is going to be a good refresher for some of us. Others of us, we, we grew up, we, didn't, we don't know what some of these stories are about. And uh, what's cool about this series is, is we are listening to you uh, on social media. You're telling us what you want us to preach on in this series, and... Um, We've been working through some of these more popular Bible stories. And so Sunday school class, I, I want to start by asking you a question this morning. Um, how many years did it take Moses to build the ark? Oh my goodness, this church, I mean, I thought it would take you a few seconds. Okay, for those of you... Moses didn't build the ark. Noah did. This, that, was not the re that was not what I was expecting. You guys just completely ruined it. I was going to say, see, we have some learning to do. And for maybe for some of us. My kids pulled it. I had no idea. I was like, oh, yeah. but anyways. You guys blew it. I don't even know where to go from here. Um, uh, this morning, we're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Okay. And maybe some of you should get up here and teach this <laughs> this morning. Uh, but we're going to look at this story. This is one of the ones that rose up on social media. And, uh, yeah, I think this is a good story, especially in light of everything that's going on culturally. 
uh, and in our world today for us um, to, to look at. And what we're going to see is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're going to find themselves in a very uncomfortable situation. They're going to find themselves in, in a difficult situation. And, and, I, and I wonder if you have ever found yourself in an uncomfortable place. And no, I'm not talking about driving through Wisconsin, okay? That would certainly qualify. Sorry, that was low. Um, I, I, I wonder, if, though, if you've ever found yourself in a hard situation, a, a hard place, a, an uncomfortable uh, a place. Um, I, I know, you know, I've shared this story many times over the years because it's part of my story, but when, when I got done uh, from school and had this calling in my heart and I knew God was calling me to ministry, I just knew it, um, but then I... I, um, I finished school. We even moved from across the country because we, we believed God was even pointing us uh, to Minnesota where he wanted us to be. And then it was nothing. It, it was just, it was nothing. Uh, it was three years of crickets and uh, waiting on God and starting to doubt and starting to wonder had I heard him wrong. And, and uh, that was a very uncomfortable place. And many times I was ready to throw in the towel. Many times I was ready to say, I'm giving up on ministry. Many times I'm not, this isn't, <laughs> this can't be my life because uh, nothing's happening. And I got to start <laughs> something. And it was all this fear and, and, and things. And here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to run um, from that. I wanted to run from that path that God had put me on. And, and I wanted to run to my comfort zone. And I think oftentimes when we find ourselves in uncomfortable places, we find ourselves in hard places, we're tempted to run. We want to run to our, our comfort zone. And, 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 and to be honest, um, we, we haven't done the, maybe the best job in the church, and I'm speaking for myself here, um, reminding ourselves that, that, that God is okay with us being uncomfortable. That, that God is okay with us having to step outside of our comfort zone and maybe remain outside of that comfort zone. Um, he, he's, he's perfectly fine with that, it seems. Um, and, and, and again, the church maybe hasn't done the best job teaching this because the reality is we, we've kind of almost implied, maybe unintentionally, um, that comfort is almost a virtue of the Christian life. That, that almost a measure of how much God favors you has to do with how comfortable you, you are. And, and, and churches kind of play into this. And we try to make it comfortable for people, right, when, when they come in. And, and, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, we're going to see the day, I believe, where you're going to start to see churches you ever been to those movie theaters that have those reclining seats? <laughs> We're one step away. You're going to come into church, you're going to sit down, and you're gonna, and then someone's going to walk in, and you're going to, oh, and during the sermon, and then you're going to have your soda and popcorn that you got from the concession stand. The, the, the church hasn't done the best job teaching us that comfort isn't our highest virtue. Some of you old-timers, you remember, you grew up in churches where you sat on a plank of wood. <laughs> Hour-long sermons on a plank of wood. Some of you didn't even have the cushion for your back. And that, by the way, was intentional. It was a way to try to teach Christians, hey, sometimes your faith is going to be very uncomfortable. 
And then, of course, in America, where we just started to value comfort over everything else that became harder and harder. And so I get why churches have had to do some accommodating, but we need to be reminded that our convictions are more important than our comfort. And here's what I would tell you this morning. God does not work in your comfort zone. You will not experience God. And you might get a few things. You might, I don't know. Maybe a prayer gets answered every once in a while. I, I don't know. But I can tell you for the most part, you will not experience God in your comfort zone. I was just reading Deuteronomy 3 this past week, and I was reminded of this, this truth. Listen to this. This is from Deuteronomy 3. Moses talking to the people of Israel who come out of Egypt in the wilderness. This is what, what he says to them. He humbled you. He's talking about God. God humbled you, causing you to hunger. He humbled you, causing you to hunger. How, how many of us, that, 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 that's like, what? God? Caused you to hunger. And then feeding you with manna. So he took care of your need in the end. Which neither you nor your ancestors had known. And why? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And of course, Jesus uses this in the wilderness. Again, Satan quotes this. And this is where it comes from. A scripture where God is, is basically reminding us that he allowed us to go hungry. To teach us some valuable lessons. Friends, God cares more about our convictions and us living those convictions out than he does our comfort. And I think some of us need to be maybe reminded of that this morning. And we're going to see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're going to find themselves in a very uncomfortable, a very difficult situation. But we're also going to see that God is going to do something great in, in the midst of that. Okay, so we're going to be looking at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I titled it Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Get Fired. Okay. <laughs> By the way, Danielle's grandma, she, 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 called, she would say Shadrach, Meshach, and off the bed you go. That's how she got her kids. It's kind of cute. But to set this story up, we kind of have to have the context of what's going on. This is found in the book of Daniel. And so Babylon is the most powerful uh, nation in the world at the time. Uh, the king is King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful leader in the world at the time. Uh, they go through, they, they end up conquering Egypt, and then they head north. And in the year 586 B.C., Babylon conquers Judah, conquers Jerusalem. And they carry many of the people there back to Babylon into captivity, into a form of slavery where they work the land and produce the crops for the people of Babylon. But Nebuchadnezzar says to his administrators, I want you to go out and I want you to find the best and the brightest and bring them into my palace to work as a part of my administration. So go out there, find the best and find the brightest and bring them in to be a part of my administration. They do that. They find Daniel and they also find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they come in and work in Nebuchadnezzar's palace and to some degree find a measure of comfort being in the king's palace. If I had more time, I'd tell you other things that happen uh, as a result of that. It's not all comfort, but there is a measure of comfort being in the king's palace until something happens. 
which we're going to read about this morning. So this brings us to Daniel 3, verse 1. We read this. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So he creates this statue. Um, this would be 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. So think nine stories tall. This thing is huge, made of gold. And that's not really a problem. The problem is that Nebuchadnezzar is going to require everyone to worship this statue, this idol that he has created. And by the way, found out this week, we actually have documents from this time period. We actually have documents of Nebuchadnezzar talking about the statue that he built. We found that. This is, this, friends, it just reminds us how real these stories are. And so this is going to lead to a problem, okay? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not going to be able to worship this, this statue. But in verse 4 we read, Then the herald, who goes throughout the land, loudly proclaimed to nations and peoples of every language, This is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the, the zither, 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 anybody play a zither? I have no idea what a zither is. You're like, you're the lead pastor and you don't know what a zither is. I didn't even care to look it up. <laughs> a lyre, a harp, a pipe, and all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, listen to this. As soon as they heard the sound of the horn, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and people of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And we can speculate that this wasn't just the Babylonians, friends. This is the Israelites as well giving in to this, bowing down as soon as they heard the music. Uh, it, got, it got me thinking um, this week as I, as I was reading this. I, I just wonder how many of us bowed down to the spirit of, of our age. There is a spirit. There is a music even of our age. And I just wonder, even, even people in the church, how many of us, in order to keep our comfort, would bow down to the spirit of, of our age? People, you know, today, people in culture, but I, I, gotta, I, I don't want to be self-righteous about this because this has been me as well. We, we kind of have this desire in us to rebel, uh, rebel from tradition, uh, rebel uh, from God's word, rebel from things the church teaches. It's in us. Um, but some of you will remember the Lecrae, had a song many years ago. Lecrae, by the way, he's a Christian rap artist. I know that sounds like an oxymoron to some of us, but Christian rap artist, very gifted, okay? 
And he had this song called Rebel. And, and the gist of the song, I haven't listened to it for years, but I've never forgotten, like, the, the, the main theme of this song is that really there's nothing to rebel against anymore. In our culture, everything just goes, right? <laughs> You're really not a rebel. You're just a conformist bowing down to the spirit of this age. And, and, and the truth behind the song is if you really want to be a rebel, love Jesus. If, if you really want to be a rebel, go to church. <laughs> and when things get hard at your church, don't run. That's rebellion. You, you want to be a re rebel, talk well about your mother and father amongst your friends and honor them. You want to be a rebel? Talk about your kids as being gifts from God. You want to be a rebel? Stick out your marriage even when it's really hard. You, you want to be a rebel? Live out your convictions even when it's really hard. Our, 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 our temptation is to do what? To run to our comfort zone. But if you want to be a rebel, you've got to stick it out when it's really hard. And live out your faith. Because that's rebellion. Rebelling against the spirit of this age which says, go to your comfort zone. Run to your comfort zone. I'm telling you, if you rebel and you try to be that, that, that rebel in culture, it's going to make life harder on you. And you just need to be aware of that. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're going to rebel. And they're not going to bow down to this statue. And so we read this in verse 19. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. I mean, they had his favor, and now he's furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. So they're, they're thrown into this this fiery furnace, but it, it almost gets a little comical here, okay? Because then we read this, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, listen to this, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth Looks like a son of the gods. So many believe this is a Christophany. This is actually Jesus with these three men, walking around with these three men in the middle of the furnace. And at the very least, it's the presence of God with them as they are in the middle of the furnace, saving them, doing a miracle in their midst, preserving their lives in the midst of this this, this furnace. And friends, here's the lesson I want us to get from this story this morning. God does his greatest work 
when we are in the worst of places. He doesn't work in our comfort zone. And I think this is why so many American Christians can be very left-brained, and we have a lot of information, and we know a lot about God, but we haven't experienced God. And yet you talk to people from other countries and people who have to walk through some hard things and really experience persecution where they come from, and these people know God. They have seen miracles happen in their midst. Why? Because God does his greatest work when we are in the hardest of places. And some of you, maybe you come in today and you are in a hard place and you're going through something that's hard right now. And everything in you wants to run. Everything in you wants to escape to your comfort zone. I want to give you some, some encouragements this morning that we can learn from the furnace. Just a few things, okay, um, that we can learn from the furnace. And I hope will be an encouragement to you of what God wants to do in your life in your uncomfortable, hard place. And here's the first one. It's in the hard places that God can break our bonds. Did you catch this? So he was thrown into the furnace, these men, bound, it says. But look at verse 25 again. Nebuchadnezzar says, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound. So in the furnace, these men have been loosed. They've been set free. I think sometimes we can pray all we want, but it's not until you go through the hard places that you truly learn to have a free soul. I think a lot of us come to the Christian faith, and I, I think we come and it's about rules, and it's about structures, and don't get me wrong, there are rules and there is structure, and we need that. But at some point, God is going to want to go beyond the rules, beyond the structures, to actually knowing him and experiencing his power in your life. And that's where we discover freedom. It, it is still about rules, and yes, there is still structure, but it's so much more than that. We've now discovered God, and we oftentimes don't discover God until what? We have to walk through hard things. That's when many of us come out and say, that's, that's when I learned God was real. That's when God showed up in my life. It was when I was in the hard place and I stuck it out. And you come out free. Free from some of the guilt, free from some of the shame because you learn God is with you, that he loves you. And that he's done everything for you and that this isn't just some story we tell, but it's something real for our lives. One of the first things I think can happen when we go through hard things is God can use that in our life to set some of us free. Some of you need to be set free this morning. It's only going to happen if you stick it out through the hard place you're in right now. Second thing we can learn from the furnace, I hope will be an encouragement to you, is God can teach us a deeper peace. Did, did, you, did you catch that in verse 25? He said, look, I see four men walking around. You would think if you got thrown into a furnace, you'd maybe be running around or <laughs> rolling around or falling down. And, and what are these men doing? They're walking around. I don't know. I love this picture of these men walking around. Jesus is in there with them. I, I kind of get the, 
I, I kind of wonder if they're maybe doing that little, you know, dun 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 dun, ha, just you know, in front of Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, ha. Now you have to look in the Hebrew to see that. Okay, you kind of read it in the original language there. But I like to think, I mean, these men are walking around. They have kept their peace in the middle of the furnace. And this is what I've been trying to preach to us. I, I'm telling you, God has put this heavy on my heart for our church. We have got to learn to be a people of peace when everybody else is panicking. Learned how to still our soul and train our minds to train ourselves to keep our peace when everything else is burning around us. Friends, this is only something the supernatural work of God can do in our life. And he teaches us this in the furnace. To be a people of peace no matter what. And why could they keep their peace? How did they keep their peace? They kept their peace because Jesus is with them. God is with them in their midst. And they're like, we just, we're going to trust. We're going to trust. We're going to trust you, God, no matter what. See, we got to get broken to being a people who can trust God no matter what. It's often the furnace it takes, for, to break us to God. I don't have any other choice but to trust you no matter what. Anybody else have any trust issues? I can tell you, your pastor has trust issues. I have, I, I have problems. I, it's hard for me to trust God no matter what. I, I, um, I've maybe told you this story many years ago, but I, I was at the Mall of America with my family, and my kids, they were really small at the time, they wanted to go on that Ferris wheel. Is that the things that spin around like this? There's one at the Mall of America, and I was like, this, these are kiddie rides, right? Has anybody been on that Ferris wheel at the Mall of America? That thing is not a kiddie ride. You get to the top of that thing four floors up, and you start looking down, and you're like, I will die on this ride. So I, and I don't, I don't like heights. So I'm up there with my kids doing this for them, and I'm checking, like, the bolts, and I'm looking at, like, all the structure. I'm looking at the guy working it. You know, I, I am, like, and I'm starting to freak out. And I'm telling you, my kids are, like, swinging it. They're not having any. And I'm, like, sit still. Sit still. And Danielle's, like, Brent, calm down. You need to calm down. And I'm grabbing I'm, like, you calm down. You calm down. And I am losing my mind. And there was only one thing. I, eventually, what I had to learn, I just, you got to just at some point just surrender. <laughs> at some point, you just got to trust. This is what some of us, some of us go on the right of life, our whole life, just freaked out. Always saying, and you can do that. Or you can get to the place where you just surrender. And, and you learn to trust. And you learn to trust that God is bigger than you. He's greater than you. He's better than you. And he's with you. And when you learn that, to surrender. You've got to be broken to that, friends. And usually it is the furnace that has to break. It's God, I don't have any other choice but to trust you in this moment. But when you get broken, here's what you get. You get a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I want us to be a church that learns how to walk in that peace. And I'm not there. I haven't arrived. I'm on this journey with you. But let's get there. Amen, church? Let's get there. Let's become a people. Because I think we don't know what our culture holds for us. We don't know what's going to happen. 
We don't know about tomorrow, but God does, and he's with us. And if we know that tomorrow is in his hands, we can learn to have peace no matter what happens out there. And that's going to lead to this third thing. One last thing I want to share with us. I hope will be an encouragement to us. God will use the furnace to win people to himself. See, I, I, I don't know if you caught this in verse 22. It says, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it killed the very soldiers that threw them in. And I think there's a lesson for us in this. Friends, we're not the only ones experiencing the heat. There is a world out there that's experiencing the heat. The furnace of the devil and what's happening out there. And there are people out there, I'm telling you, out there in the world who are burning up alive. And when they see a people who can keep their peace no matter what, it is highly attractive. And I believe they're going to say, I want that. And so Nebuchadnezzar sees that. And we read in verse 26, it says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out to the fire, came out of the fire in the sad traps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. You know, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know what's going on here. They trusted in him, he says, and defied the king's command, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. When the people out there see a people who are willing to live out their convictions over their comforts, walking in freedom because of what Jesus has done, walking in peace because we know that God is in control, that he loves us. I'm telling you, friends, it's winsome. And that's what our world needs to see. People who don't champion comfort over everything else, but people who say, maybe God's going to put me into some hard places, into hard things, but it's because he wants to do a great work in and through the situation. And so I ask you today, what's your hard place? What you've been facing? What's that thing that you just kind of want to run from? And I'm not going to say there's not a time and place to run from some things. If God makes it clear, sometimes you need to run. But unless he gives you that signal, What's that hard place in your life? And he's saying, I want you to stick it out. I want you to hang in there. Because I do my greatest work when you are in the worst of places. Amen? Friends, be encouraged. Here's the thing. Here's what we need to get comfortable with. We need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because that's when we're going to see God show up and show off in our lives and in our church and in our world. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to ask you, church, will you join me in this journey? <laughs> Let's become a people of peace, a people who trust God no matter what. Can we do that? I think we will shine if we do. Here's what I want to do. I want to ask us to bow our heads. I'm going to pray for us. And what I specifically want to pray for us this morning is I just want to pray God will breathe faith 
into us. Because I think it takes faith to live this way. Faith to stick in there, hang in there when it's hard and everything's telling you to run. We need just a fresh filling of faith. So bow your heads. I'm just going to pray for us. How, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are with us. You're with us in the hard places. You do a work that couldn't be done unless we went through the hard places. And I don't want us to waste that, Lord. There's people out there right now I know who are in hard places. Help us not to waste it. We want you to do something. We want you to show up. We want you to change us. We want to be transformed because of it, through it. And we want to be a witness to others as well. So Jesus, will you just breathe on us this morning? Will you just breathe faith and encouragement into our hearts right now? Jesus, just... And just fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to give us everything we need to persevere through the uncomfortable places in this life, God. We're going to lift this up to you as we get ready to celebrate you because we know you're here with us this morning. We love you, and we pray all these things in your name and all God's people said. Amen.